and welcome to another episode of A Little Spooky. This is the show where we talk about things that spook us just a little bit, like UFOs, aliens, urban legends, conspiracy theories, and that weird-ass dream I had last night where all of my teeth exploded out of my mouth one by one. My name is Colleen. My name Everett. Um, <laughs> we talked about dreams in a previous episode, like one of our first earlier episodes. Uh-huh. And I think teeth falling out means you're like afraid of uh, your appearance or how people perceive you. So what does it mean that your teeth exploded? I don't know. I Googled it. Could not. I mean, everything about teeth just says stress and like for real. (laughs) We talked about spontaneous combustion last week. And like I said, I'm in danger. So this is just super stress. Your teeth aren't falling out. They're literally exploding. Yeah. I mean, it was to the point where like I could hear it. Like before it would happen, because I exploded one by one and I woke up and my jaw just hurt so bad. Do you, do you recall in your dream, like, did it hurt or like, was your mouth open? Like, did you I, see it happening in a mirror or something? I vividly remember this dream because it would happen one tooth at a time and once every 10 minutes. And before each tooth exploded, I could feel my teeth moving in my mouth. And then there'd be like a And I remember going up to my mom in the dream and being like, Mom, my teeth are exploding. And she was like, it happens to all of us. (laughs) (laughs) It's part of becoming a woman. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. Anyways, that was an unpleasant dream. One of many teeth falling out dreams I've had. That's not just teeth falling out. That's teeth going. Yes. I'm like, it it was like shrapnel. It was weird. Very odd. Enough dream analysis. Because we're getting into it this yes. week. Yes, do you tell us what we're talking about? So, by very popular request, we've had a lot of people request this topic. We're going to finally talk about Skinwalker Ranch. This nice. is something I have been working on for a very long time because there is a lot to cover. So much so that this is actually going to be our first series. We're going to do two episodes on this topic. Limited series, available only on Nerdslaw. Yeah, and we can't cover it all in an hour, or roughly an hour. So that's why we got to do it longer. This story's nuts, first of all. So I'm aware of Skinwalker Ranch. I have a very, very vague knowledge of it. I mean, I know that it contains all of my favorite spooky things, paranormal stuff, monster stuff. Yeah, how you introduce the show at the top it's basically all of it. Yeah, but I don't know the story. So this is going to be new to me, newish, on the edge of new, let's new adjacent. In- <laughs> let's, right, let's get into it. So okay. I'm going to just say almost all of the information, at least in this first episode, is going to be sourced from the book Hunt for the Skinwalker. And that's written by Dr. Colm Kelleher and George Knapp. These two individuals were part of an actual team that investigated the ranch in 1996. This first episode is going to be the events leading up to 1996. And they cover that in the book, too, of course. But it's about the family that owned the ranch from 1994 to 1996. And it's I I'm honestly at a loss for words because there's so much that happens in just two years. And I will say the authors of the book call them the Gorman family. That's not their real name. They're a type of family, like they're cattle ranchers, and they want their privacy. Sure. That's fair. I will say, though, their names are public record 
very easy to figure out who they are. Sure. But, um, but just for the sake of respect, we'll go with what they said and we'll call them the Gormans. And question, you'll probably answer this later on, but are they still living on the ranch? No, no. Okay. Um, they, they, and I'll get to this later too, but they, they end up leaving in 1996, okay. which is why this investigation comes in. Okay. Okay. Um, Lay it on me. So let's talk about skinwalkers first. Okay. Because that's kind of the crux, All at right. least in part. What is a skinwalker, Colleen? Oh, gosh. I know I'm going to answer this wrong. Is this I mean, like a person who can transform into an animal of some kind? Yeah. It's like a Native American legend, right? Yes, yes. I don't is. know of which tribe. But. Right. So you you got pretty much everything. So what it is is an entity of absolute pure evil. Oh, it's evil. Yes. Okay. They're Native American medicine men that have gone bad. They use their magic and rituals to either cause harm to others or for selfish gain. If they do that too much, and there's different variations in different tribes of how this process works. Uh, sometimes you, if you murder, you just become a skinwalker. Uh, if you do too many curses or just selfish magic, you'll eventually be cursed and become a skinwalker. Regardless, once you're a skinwalker... Kind of Wendigo adjacent. Kind of. And the, the, the Wendigo is northeast tribes mm -hmm. and nations. This is a Southwest sure, thing. Sure, sure. Very, I'm sure they're very different the, I mean, mythologies. Different, but. like, uh, origins, too, where, like, Wendigo is cannibalism. But this is more so an anti-murder adjacent sure. thing. Which, I mean, kind of the same. But regardless, they are witches. They're still people. Oh, okay. But not. So, what that means is they are able to transform into pretty much whatever they want. But it's usually some sort of animal. And it's usually a local type animal. It is said by some of the tribes that discuss the skinwalker that the final transition needed from human to skinwalker requires them to murder someone close to them, usually a sibling or a loved one. Okay. Uh, skinwalkers have many supernatural abilities. Most noticeably, they're the masters of stealth. So as we said, they can transform at will into many different animals, whether it be a wolf, eagle, cat, bat, or any other animal that lives around the area. They do take on the abilities of any animal they change into, but they become exponentially more powerful. So mm. if a skinwalker takes the form of an owl, they will have the same heightened senses of night vision and speed, but way faster and can see way farther. That okay. type of thing. All right, badass. A skinwalker's not immortal, but they're extremely resilient to the elements and have even found to be bulletproof in some instances. Huh. On top of this, skinwalkers are able to blend into a community. They change their form and conduct their evil magic at night, but by day they typically maintain a human appearance and live a solitary life. Some tribes believe that the only true way to kill a skinwalker is to discover its true identity. True identity, meaning like it's human identity? Right. Yeah. So like, is it, is it Uncle Bill? He's a skinwalker. Uh, it's interesting how every culture has some sort of similar witch type legend of like the, the isolated person who's by themselves, but also pure evil. And it's so weird that like there, there were actual witch hunts, but a skinwalker version that happened uh, in the 1800s. But I totally skipped over that story just because there's too much to talk, too about. Much to talk about. So. 
There are many different variations of Skinwalker legends throughout the American Southwest, but what is most familiar with the general public is the legend that the Navajo Hotel, and I will say at the top here too, they their true name is the Diné, or the Diné, but just for the sake of consistency, I'm just going to say Navajo the whole time. Okay. What this version is, is basically what we've already talked about, except And this is kind of the same thing among a lot of tribes, but especially with the Navajo. It's a very taboo subject. Skinwalkers? Yes. They do not like talking about skinwalkers, especially to outsiders. But even among themselves, they do not discuss this. Even today? Even today. Interesting. Um, The reason for this is most Native Americans do believe that a skinwalker is and should remain an issue among their own people. And if you do talk about it, among your own people, you may become a target of a skinwalker. So that it's just sense. something you do not discuss at all. Sure. Unless you're talking one-on-one with someone and you're certain they're like your spouse or something and there's no way they could be a skinwalker. Right, right. Oh, I suppose, because they live among you. How would you know if you're talking to one or not? Right. Could be your neighbor. Got could you. Be whoever. So let's get to the ranch now, now that we have a basic understanding of what a skinwalker is. Skinwalker Ranch is located in the middle of the uh, Uinta Basin, which resides in northeastern Utah. It's only about 150 miles from Salt Lake City. This area has been inhabited by various Native American tribes for about 12,000 years. But since the 1800s, it has been home to the Utes after they were forced there from Mormon settlers. Their reserved land grew smaller and smaller over the decades after it was found that much of this area is very rich in mineable resources. Today, the land that is not settled is mostly dense forest and steep ridges, but Skinwalker Ranch itself is about 480 acres of land in this area. All right. Very large. Mm -hmm. There is only one entrance and exit to the homestead of the ranch. The land nearest to the residence is flat land for grazing livestock, but on the northern border of the property is a 200-foot-high ridge of red rock. And after rainfall, the canal at the bottom of the ridge becomes very muddy and nearly impassable, whether it be foot traffic or vehicles. Okay. To the south, directly south of this canal, is a mud track that runs from east to west along the entire property. This is also very difficult to travel after just a slight rainfall, especially by vehicle. And then the rest of the acreage of the ranch is thick forest, cliffs, ridges, and creeks. And, like, where's that... The buildings located. Um, they they didn't include an actual map anywhere I could find because I think they are trying to keep people from actually visiting the area. Okay. But from what I could gather, I think it's kind of near the southern boundary. Like if, okay. if I were to imagine this is just a perfect square, I think it's close to the central bottom. Okay. So in 1994, the Gorman family purchased this property in order to raise their cattle and privacy. They were sick of the gossip and neighborly intrusions that came from their previous hometown, so they moved from New Mexico to Utah. I feel like that's not making it any better. What do you mean? (laughs) Moving from New Mexico to Utah is not going to change your, like, small-town gossip problem. Well, I think it is, though, because this ranch is far away from their nearest neighbor. Okay, it is very isolated. And it's 480 acres, too. Like, you can't really get more private than that. Yeah. So... When they first visited the property before purchasing it, they noticed that every door of the home was outfitted with several heavy-duty locks and deadbolts on both the inside and the outside of each door. What? 
And, but there's only one way to get in and out of this property. The the ranch itself, like there's one like long, like driveway. I guess you could say. Right, but I mean, it's like there's you'd see anyone coming because there's only yes. one way to get in. Yes. Okay. So the Gormans thought this amount of security was definitely overkill, but after further being reminded of the previous owner's paranoia, they just were, you know, put it in the back of their minds. So it was well known that the previous owners Well, they, were- they had been told that, I assume, by like the realtor or whoever okay. they were looking at this with. Uh, but when they were getting ready to sign the papers to purchase this property, they noticed one more additional detail that was really weird to them. Anyone that purchases the property has to agree that before they decide to dig anywhere on the property, they do have to contact the previous owner and get their express permission to do so. What? On your own property? I mean, I get, like, contacting the city to make sure there's no, like, lines underneath or uh, something. I mean, I don't but... know how that could be enforced and how the previous owner would know whether they dig or not. Yeah. But regardless, that was part of the written agreement that they had to sign before purchasing the home. No way would I sign that. That's creepy. Well, after being weirded out by that information and all of the weird security on the house, they're like, other than that, this home and this property is perfect for what we want. Other than the glaring red flags. Well, (laughs) yes, but they're a cattle family. Like, they raise prize, like, Angus cows and stuff, and this is a large property, which I imagine was pretty cheap, too, based on the uh, terrain that's not the immediate ranch next to the home. Got it, got it. So they did it anyway. They bought it. All right. I mean, to each his own. They moved in very shortly after purchasing, and it did not take long for weird events to happen. The Gorman couple, they're called Tom and Ellen. Okay. Not the real names, right? but right. Tom and Ellen. They were walking around in the evening near their truck. Their children were there as well in the flatbed of the truck. Okay, so they're like hanging out in the back yeah, just doing in the fun back kid of, stuff. Yeah, just watching and looking at the property because there's a lot to see. Sure. Then they saw what looked like a gray wolf about 300 yards in the distance trotting towards the family. Okay. Not too weird in no. on a ranch in New Mexico. Utah. Uh, Utah. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. It, it's just like a wolf. It's like, I mean, that would be a little scary, but it's not like charging at them. Yeah. Right? I mean, odd that it would not be running away from them. I and, imagine and they, wolves are fairly skittish. And they have protection too. I mean. They've got guns and guns stuff and with them. Sure. Things. Yeah. Sure. It keeps coming towards them, and then about 50 yards away, it stops. And from this distance, they realize exactly how large this animal was. They believed it to be at least three times the size of a normal wolf. Wow. They noted that the animal seemed like it was trained, like it was someone's pet. It watched the family for a moment, and when the family made no moves, it started again trotting towards them. Ed just unloaded several of his Black Angus cows into a fenced area near them, and a curious calf stuck its head through the fence to observe whatever this thing was. Sure. The beast stopped again about ten feet from the family. It smelled like terrible wet dog, and it was as tall as Ed's chest. Yikes. The wolf was muscular, extremely so, like you could see definition in the muscles, and had very bright blue eyes. It's like the Beast of Bray Road. Kind of, yeah. But the difference is, it exuded a sense of calm. They felt calmed by this thing when they should be nervous. Yeah, I mean, I'd be freaked. They were nervous at first, but when it got close to them, they just like, oh, this is just normal. Like, this is someone's pet. 
So they let their guard down. They're like, oh, let's keep it as a pet ourselves or something. Oh, Jesus. Okay. And then when the beast knew that they were fine with this, with unordinary speed, the wolf darted towards the calf and wrapped its jaws around the head. <laughs> okay. So what a wolf does. Eat True. cow. Yes. <laughs> it tried to drag the calf through the fence. And then Ed and his son, Tom, kicked the wolf as hard as they could. And Ed swung a baseball bat that he had in his truck. It didn't even flinch at these strikes and refused to let go of the prey. Ed's other son, Tad, that's what the name that was given to this boy, <laughs> very odd, but Tad uh, went into the truck and grabbed a revolver that was in the truck. Okay. Ed took the revolver and shot the wolf three times. It did not bleed. It did not flinch. It seemed to be bulletproof. Like the bullets ricocheted off of it or? Yes. Okay. And didn't even leave a mark of any kind. Okay. It didn't show any signs of pain or discomfort. And then after shooting again, it reluctantly let go. The wolf stood 10 feet away from Ed, just staring at him. Ed shot one more time, aiming for the heart. And again, the shot left no sign of entry, but the wolf backed away this time about 30 feet. Ed told Tad to grab a hunting rifle from the home, and once he brought it to Ed, he immediately took aim and shot the wolf again in the chest. It recoiled, but still showed no signs of pain. This is a much more powerful gun than the Magnum. Yeah, yeah. He shot one more time, aiming at the chest again. This time, the bullet went through the wolf, and a chunk of flesh came out of its back. The wolf made no sounds and stared again at the family for a moment. Then it slowly turned and trotted away. Ed and Tom went to track the wolf, since its large and deep prints were visible in the mud. Okay. The tracks disappeared after a point in the woods near a river. They had no idea where it went or how it disappeared. Uh, and this is only, I think, a couple nights after moving in. And basically the entire family saw this go down. Yeah, the entire family saw this. And it this. wasn't, I mean, is, was there like bullets as evidence or is this just a story I, told? Okay, so the, the I will say for this first episode, this is all based on their word. There okay. is going to be evidence of the investigation that happens later. Mm -hmm. But for these first two years, we're just taking it at face value. Yeah. There there had to have been something mysterious about that wolf. If it was three times the size of a normal wolf and they were like, this is fine. I mean, we have deer in our yard that I know are not going to hurt me. And they like walk up to me and I'm not going to let them get close to me. I don't want any of their rabies. Well, You're talking about a giant-ass wolf exactly. around your kids? And not just a regular wolf. Three times the size of a wolf that's up to your chest. Like, bigger than a dire wolf. Yeah. Um, okay. That's Yeah, so, I mean, that in itself is odd. But the whole, like, being shot multiple times and not dying thing is also probably And not even there. being affected by it until, like, a tenth shot later. Interesting. But this is not the last they see of this wolf. Okay. In the following days, the family inquired around the town about wolves in the area like, what's going on we saw a huge wolf mm -hmm. like, they're not keeping this a secret because it scared them obviously sure one person told them that the ranch was home to a pack of wolves which did actually relieve them because they realized this wasn't a group like hallucination or sure anything. they right and that, i mean that would be a relief to some extent right. i'd be like hey you got me advice on how to right. kill an unkillable wolf. <laughs> so a couple more weeks pass, and then Ellen was arriving home from a trip to town. 
she opened the gate to the property and got back into the car to drive back to the home. Then, when she was getting back into the car, she saw the wolf again. It was right outside the car window, and it was so large that she could not even see the top portion of the wolf while it was on all fours. Next. What? I'm sorry. Is this like, still the truck? Like a pickup truck? No, I think this is just a car, like a sedan. Okay. Four-door. So, I mean, if it was up to his chest before, I mean, it's probably a little car, but that's huge still. And, like, it's towering above her so much so she can't even see everything. Yeah, I don't like that. So... She obviously freaks out, but she notices something else now, too. Beyond the wolf, she saw another creature in the distance. This one seemed to be a lot smaller. It was all black, but resembled something closer to an actual dog. Except the head of the dog was much too big in proportion to the body. (laughs) Okay. So I'm just imagining, like, a dog with, like, a cartoon-sized, like, just giant bobblehead, basically. Yeah, I mean, if I was a... Skinwalker, that wouldn't be my first choice in terms of intimidating creatures, but like, what else? So she just slams on the pedal. Yeah, so that's, home. see, she's smart. The two creatures did not follow. They just stood on all fours, I guess, in place and just watched. Okay. The next day, she went to the tribal office in town to see if any people on the reservation had pet wolves. The Ute Native Americans were bewildered when she asked this and said that wolves were not native to the area and the last known wolf had been shot in 1929. Wait, what kind of jokers were telling them there was a pack on their property? That's what I was thinking, too. So someone's messing with them. I don't know. Or they just don't know what they're talking about. Now, if I was like a member of that tribe and some like clueless newcomer came and asked me and it would be really fun to pretend I had no idea what they were talking about. (laughs) Margaret? She's been dead for 30 years. (laughs) But okay, so there is something fucky happening regardless. (laughs) Absolutely. But it's not just skinwalkers. There's other stuff going on. So winter was approaching of 1994, and Ellen decided to take a walk on their property on one of the last mild days of the season. Several times during her walk, she would feel and hear a large bird-like object dart past her ear and then back into the woods. It moved too fast for her to see what it was, and it would fly just a few feet from the side of her head, just missing her. She had no idea what that was, and around the same time, weird things were happening inside the home. Tools and other belongings of the family would regularly go missing. Ed could not locate the post digger that he had placed outside the home, and he would find it months later, up a tree and propped in the branches. This tool weighed over 60 pounds, so no family member or any stranger would have gone through the effort to prank them by climbing a tree with lugging around this 60-pound tool and just putting it up there. Side note, that reminds me of when my dad came to visit, and we were all (laughs) sitting underneath. We have a lilac bush, like a big one, in our front yard, and there's a porch swing under it. And we're all sitting there, and my dad looks up, and he goes, "What? what's that? And he stands up and he pulls like a seven foot scythe out of the, the lilac yeah, bush. I, we had no idea it was there. It like, just blended in perfectly. It could have fallen and murdered us at any moment. The Grim Reaper used to live in our home. Yeah, I don't. There's something, <laughs> something fucky. Anyways, I that yeah. is very odd though. Yeah. So, th- so they, there's like ghost activity and right. weird animal activity. It's like poltergeist activity yeah. because they're moving stuff and hiding things from them. But. That's not all. A few months after the Gormans moved down to the ranch, Ed brought the rest of his cattle. 
Ed was with one of his sons and with a visiting relative, too. I think it was a cousin of one of his kids. Okay. And they saw an RV in the distance. Just parked. On their property? On their property. Okay, that's weird. They immediately head out to confront the trespassers and see what they were doing on their private property. And when they were only about 200 yards from the vehicle, it started moving away from them. But it kept the same pace when they would speed up or slow down. Huh. Like it was not in a hurry. It was just trying to maintain the same like constant distance from them. them. Right. right. So what stuck out as even more odd was that the front headlights of the vehicle and the rear brake lights were not bumping or swaying with the terrain. Oh, so it was like a ghost RV. The vehicle made no sound as if it didn't even have an engine. They started moving towards the vehicle more quickly now to make sure it would not break a fence or anything else on their land. It also increased, increased its pace, keeping the same distance, and then they noticed the RV rise a few feet off the ground. What? It was hovering over the fence lines, forcing the Gormans to jump the fences while chasing down this RV. So they got out of their car to chase a vehicle? I don't think they were in a car at this point. Oh, they were just walking They, they were it. near the home and saw the RV. Okay. Like, oh, let's just go talk okay. to them. Okay, I was picturing like a really boring car chase, but no. I get it. Got you. So... As they approached the property line, they were exhausted because sure. it's 480 acres. So I don't know how far exactly they traveled in this chase. But long enough. Long enough, yes. So as they slowed, there was now no question whether the RV was or was not hovering in the air because it rose higher above the tree line at the edge of the ranch and flew out of sight. The trees were at least 50 feet high. Are we talking like some redneck aliens or something? Like, I, don't, like, I don't know. <laughs> like they looked, made a UFO over what they found exactly in a garbage like, dump? Yeah, it looked exactly like an RV. <laughs> okay, that's pretty, I mean, that's scary, but also pretty awesome. So a few weeks pass, and again, the same vehicle appears on their ranch. This time, Ed and Ellen were the ones who saw it. And this time, a crackling metallic sound was what alerted them to the presence of this hovering RV. Okay. They tried to chase down the vehicle again. And it did the same thing, kept a constant distance from them. As they were well away from their home, they heard this crackling sound again, and it was behind them this time. So they turn around to see if they could find the source of whatever is making this noise. Couldn't find it. So then they turn back to the RV again, but this time it's gone. Okay. No lights, sounds, or any sign of it have ever been there. They tried to forget about this, but since there was nothing they could do, you know... Let's just yeah, I mean, out of like, sight, what out you, of mind. Like, <laughs> what are you going to tell people in the town that yeah, the, you're trying to escape small town gossip and you're running around town talking about wolves three times the size and weird ass flying RVs? Right. <laughs> this is probably why they were gossiping about you in New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> so more time passes and now the winter weather has set in. And is Utah winter? What is that? Do you the, have any notion? Uh, I mean, if you're comparing it to Minnesota weather, I, I imagine they it's a little more mild, but they still get blizzards and stuff. They get sure, plenty of so snow. snow. Okay. Because it's an elevated area, too. Gotcha. So one evening in the winter, Tom was tending to the cattle when he saw a new intruder. This time, a triangular ship hovered in the air 20 feet very close to the home. Whoa. Tom noted that it looked like a smaller version of the F-117 stealth ships. So if you know what that is, it's like those 
triangle like black u.s military ships that like they before they started using drones regularly they would fly these in because they're much quieter than a regular jet okay um so they would use that for like reconnaissance and stuff sure sure but sure. It, it looked almost exactly like that ship but much smaller when you say ship do you mean plane? Or, yeah i'm calling it a ship because we're assuming this is a ufo okay <laughs> sorry but yes like that aircraft okay so in his head, he's thinking, like, why would a military aircraft be around my house? Right. Yeah, he doesn't. I mean, he's not, at least with this specific vehicle, he's not jumping to the conclusion that it's an alien. Right. He's thinking that, you know, some military projects or whatever are happening on his private land. Mm-hmm. So, as I said, these, sh- at least the real military ships, they're they're not silent, but they're very quiet compared to a regular jet sure however this vehicle was completely silent it had multicolored lights blinking in a seemingly recurring pattern on the outside of the aircraft and onto the snow it was slowly approaching his position and tom believed it hadn't actually spotted him yet so he ducked for cover and tried to watch it pass the aircraft seemed to be searching for something as it was continually sweeping the area Tom could not keep still in the freezing snow for a long time, so he had to stretch out and move a little bit. And as soon as he did this, it alerted the ship, and it turned towards him. <gasps> the lights turned off, and it was just facing him. Uh, like how? So how? Like a, how high above him was this? I think uh, it was about twenty feet in the air. It was trying to like search so it was for something. Really, on the really low. Right. Oh, God, that, that's like War of the Worlds, you know, like yeah. where they're hiding and they have to be really still or the weird ass little alien robot eyes will find them. <laughs> that's scary. So the lights turned off, as I said, and it was facing him, but it just took a moment for it to just turn around and glide away. As soon as it was knew it was spotted, it was done with him and left. All right. So, as you suggested, he was thinking, is this like a secret government project or is it just some rich person that has a lot of money and wants to have a ship like this or a uh, aircraft like this? He has no idea. He doesn't even consider aliens at this point. I mean, I don't think most people would. I mean, you'd try to write it off. I mean, and it looked like something he knew the U.S. military already had. Sure. So, a few more weeks pass and Ellen sees something as she arrives home. She saw the same triangular aircraft hovering over the ranch, and she wanted nothing to do with this. So she, and she was completely alone at this time. The entire family was out doing their own thing. So she just went directly home and pretended she didn't see anything. Oh my God, that's totally my method. (laughs) That's what happens when I'm home alone and someone knocks on the door. Well, that's not the end of it. She heads into the home and tries to forget about what she saw. But when she opens the drapes of the window, she notices something outside about 200 yards away. It was the RV again, parked. What? She had no idea how it could have gotten there because, there, like we said, there's only one entrance to this property. Yeah. And there were no tire tracks in the snow when she was driving up. Well, it flies, as we previously right. said. Yes, so she, so she just assumed it was doing that again. Now, it was parked, and she could actually see a brightly lit interior of the RV. Mm. What do you think's inside? Just guess. There's no way you're going to guess what she sees. I'm honestly picturing just some weird, scraggly, redneck conspiracy theorist living in a floating RV, kind of like X-Files style. Nope. 
It's just a desk. There's like, a random desk sitting in this RV. And it's just a desk for a few minutes. But then she sees someone walk up and sit down at the desk. And the RV is on the ground like a normal RV at right now. At this point, yes. It's lit up. Well, the interior. Like, it's a window. And she right, can yes, see yes, into the yes. Window. And just like a writing desk? Like an office desk? Yep, just like a, a an office desk. Just and someone, like, sits down in there. Right. So, like, usually if you see into an RV, it's like a little table or... Yeah, like you know, a bed. Right. It's just... A, a, it's, it looks... It's like a blank room with a desk inside. That's... Awesome. So after a few minutes, a dark figure enters the visible area she could see and sits down at the desk. That's horrifying. Ellen assumes it was a man based on the build of the figure, and he was covered in all black and had some type of headgear on covering his face. No, no, no. I'd run back to the house and I would call the police. Well, it gets even weirder. Oh, God. Okay. He suddenly stands up and walks to the doorway of the RV. And opens it. And a very bright light comes from behind him. Like the light from the interior of the RV kind of masking his front. So he's like a shadow. Yeah. Or at least appears to be because of the lighting. She can now see his full figure and notices he's wearing knee-high boots. And if the doorway was the size of a normal RV door, she estimated that he had to be at least seven feet tall. (gasps) He was staring right at Ellen, which obviously freaked her out. She closes the curtains and did not look outside again. She calls her husband and she's like, you have to come back now. Yeah, come back. Yep, that's what I would do. Uh, Except for I'd call the police first. No offense. It, you'd be like, dude, what do you want me to do about it? Right. And, he, and it sounded like he was extremely far away on some sort of business, too. So he immediately leaves, but he doesn't get back till morning because that's how far away he is. And she just hangs out alone in there till morning? Yes. Uh-uh. Girl, get out. So when he finally does get home, they search the area where the RV was, and they find boot prints in the snow. <sighs> they're, scary. They're 18 inches long, just a giant-ass foot. Whoa. Um, but what was weird about the footprint, too, is that it didn't have any ridges or bumps like a normal boot would leave in the snow. It was mm-hmm. just completely smooth, except for the heel dug into the snow really deep like he stood at attention oh not like a high heel no just like a deep impression like he put all of his weight on his heels okay so they decide at this point nobody was allowed to go outside at dark anymore i mean okay we've talked about this before why are people going outside after dark by themselves anyways i mean they have to raise the cattle so if something goes wrong with the cows or something they have valid point yep yeah livelihood that right. makes sense. So buddy system. These these events that we've talked about so far, they're kind of like, I mean, there's a lot of things happening, but so far these were sporadic events. Yeah, but fucking weird ones. There's something that's happening much more regularly, though. Okay. Nearly every day, they would see things in the sky. It would be at all times of the day, mostly in the daytime, though, or at dusk. Interesting. It would be odd disturbances in the sky that look like clouds of orange when you were viewing it from the outside of the property or the edges of the property. However, if you were close to the actual home of the property, they looked like windows in the sky. Wait, okay, so we've got like weird ass animals. We've got potential aliens and UFOs, and now we've got like a weird force field around the ranch not not a force field they're actually like windows viewing into basically 
what they they don't know for sure what it was because the odd thing about this was if it was like dusk and you know the sky is like a purpley orange yeah it would be perfect daytime in the window so they don't know if they were looking at like a different time or if they were looking at just a different area completely and what and so you look directly up and it's just a perfect square of uh i don't something else. i think it's more like a circular or okay so it's just like a like a break in the clouds and it looks like you're looking into somewhere well, it's else. not a break in the clouds it's a break in the sky like it's just like a cut through Ugh, the sky i hate it it's very truman show right so the odd thing i mean of course that's extremely odd but the oddest thing about it is they can only see the window from that general area of the property it's almost like it's a masked when you're in any other area or if you're outside the property masked by orange clouds like right so it's like if you were looking at it head on you can see it but it's almost like it's an other dimensional object where if you're in a different area on our 3d plane it's just not visible to you but, okay. and, the, and they hypothesize that the reason it appears as an orange cloud is because it might actually be a tunnel and the windows are the end of the tunnel. All right, everyone, go back and listen to our fourth dimension episode about wormholes. Right. And the reason that they think it's a tunnel is because occasionally in these windows, they would see that triangular ship fly out of it. <gasps> oh, oh, I hate that. I would have moved out a long time ago. That's actually horrifying. I mean, super interesting, but I don't like that my home is the location for an alien wormhole. Yeah, and, it, and it's, <laughs> they, they have no idea why obviously it's happening to them or this area. Yeah, it's, it just is. I bet they're happy about them double locks now. Well, it's not over yet. Winter's progressing, and during a really bad blizzard, one of their breeding cows got lost in the snow. Tom set out to find the cow so it would not get hurt or freeze to death. Mm -hmm. And after some searching, he found very fresh tracks, so he follows. Okay. And after some time following, the tracks seemed to lengthen, like the cow is starting to run as if something was chasing the cow. And if you know anything about cows, which I'm sure you don't know too much I about cows. I know almost nothing about cows. It takes a lot to make a cow run. Really? I mean, I, I would well, imagine if you see a wolf, it would if it Right. Wolf, it if, would if, run. if it sees danger, obviously it will, but it's not like they run for fun. <laughs> like Right. Uh, okay, yes. Especially especially like breeding cows. And bulls are a little bit different, but cows don't really run. Sure. Sure. I guess to me it's just you're in a ranch and you've seen wolves, it wouldn't be too surprising right. to me that a cow would run away. So he's following now running tracks, which leads to a clearing in the forest with no cover. Just a little area that has no trees. Sure. About 50 yards into the clearing, the tracks just stop. The final four tracks were in the snow and still showed that the cow was running at its full speed. But there were no further tracks or any sign of this cow. Oh my god, is this like the UFO tractor beam of the cow? It's like, like, it's like, like something <laughs> just lifted it away. <laughs> Tom never found the cow, and this actually was the first of five similar disappearances of cattle throughout the rest of the winter. What do they want with our cows? You'll see. Because spring finally comes, and it's April of 1995. Okay. Tom and his son Tad were tracking cattle on horseback. Tad was chasing down a cow and her recently born calf. 
it was raining and the cow slipped on this uh, muddy area we were talking about earlier on the property. Okay. It goes down an embankment and it's unable to climb back up. Meanwhile, the calf continues to run away. So Tad chases after the calf, planning on returning to help the the cow out later. Sure. After about 20 minutes, Tad finally is able to wrangle the calf and bring the calf back to the mother. Mm -hmm. When he returned to the cow, he found her dead. But she was not simply dead. She she had just fallen down. Yeah, there was no injury. She would have just been stuck. She would have been stuck, yes. Her entire rear end had been cut off with surgical precision. Its internal organs were sucked out. And I say sucked out because there was no trace of blood anywhere. So it's just like a half cow shell? Pretty much, yeah. Just the the skin and bones were there and like its hair, but no organs inside. This all happened in 20 minutes, maybe even less than 20 minutes. And there's no blood. No sign of blood anywhere even. And this was raining still. So there was a slight, you know, maybe inch deep, just little bit of water at this bottom of the yep. canal. No blood in the water either. So whatever did this, it's like it had some sort of like instrument where it was making a clean cut and immediately sucking out everything in the cow. Over the next year, this was the first of many cattle mutilations. The rear end of these cows were always cut off and the reproductive organs would always be missing. Whatever was happening on the ranch, it was now affecting their livelihood too. Yeah. That's the weirdest part of the cow to take, yes. The reproductive <laughs> organs, yeah. But, okay, so we've had a lot happen so far. We've had skinwalkers or wolf creatures. We've had UFOs, poltergeist activity, portals in the sky. What else could there be? Well, now we got hollow cows missing their Right, ewes. and we have cattle mutilations, too. Yeah. What's left but orbs? Ooh. <laughs> So in the early summer of 1995, Tom and Ellen were outside in the evening before calling it a day. The animal seemed restless, and they soon found out that it was because a bright blue ball of light was flying around the heads of the horses. Interesting. This was not the first time they've actually seen orbs on their property, but this is the first time that the orb actually interacted with anything. Yeah. I mean, of all the things they've seen, a random orb, I'd be like, <laughs> right. <laughs> but and if like, this is like interacting with the cows, like flying uh, or the, the horses, right? It's interacting with the animals, yes. Right. And all of a sudden, with unnatural speed, the ball of blue light actually darts away from the horses and towards the Gorman home. It stops right in front of Tom and Alan, and this is the first time that it interacted with them directly as well. It was about twice the size of a baseball with a clear glass-like shell, and inside the shell was a swirling mass of blue liquid that gave off intense light. It made sounds like crackling electricity. Like the sound of the RV. Um, they called that a crackling sound, but the, the earlier sound was more like uh, crackling metal, like oh, okay. things maybe kind of crunching on metal or just metal clanging sure but this is like actual like static electricity but louder okay after their initial feeling of awe that this thing actually came up to them both tom and ellen were suddenly overcome with the most intense fear they have ever felt 
Tom was actually on record saying this is the most scared he has ever been. And he's been in situations as a cattle rancher where his life was threatened by a berserk animal. Sure. Um, he's never felt like this before. And he said he felt like he was losing control of his mind and body and almost had a seizure. But that was until Ellen unconsciously turned on her flashlight and the light freaked out this orb and it darted back into the trees. Now, we've talked about something that made somebody feel irrationally scared. And I can't remember which topic that was. I can't But either. it was just like a, the most intense fear they've ever felt. Right. For no reason. It was the Hopkinsville Goblins. Mm. It was when one of them was like in their bedroom and the Hopkinsville Goblins were like looking in their window. And she felt just like a massive intense fear. Right. Aliens. Right. And I, I do want to say, even though it is an orb, this is definitely not a ghost orb. This seems like it's almost like an alien's version of a drone. Like it's doing yeah. like a stealth mission or just like a reconnaissance mission. Yeah. I mean, if you listen to our ghost orbs episode, those sorts of orbs are just balls of light. Right. I mean, if you're able to describe this as a glass shell with and making blue liquid, like sound yeah, inside too. Yeah, it's like some sort of... I wouldn't call it an orb so much as some sort of weird... But it was perfectly round, so I guess yeah, it is Yeah, well, yes, orb, okay, but... technically an orb. Right. So, like I said, it just goes back into the woods when she turns on her flashlight. They went back inside their home to recover from this because they felt sick. Right. And a couple hours passed and they were getting ready for bed, but then the orb returns and it starts circling their house. What's weird about this is as it would pass each room of the house the light bulbs in that room would dim until it passes the room. Then they would go back to full strength. Fucking weird. So it's like it's sucking energy out of an immediate area. And it does this until dawn. That's horrifying. This is some X-Files shit. It, there's way too much happening here. And this is just the first two years. So much happens. But anyway, the events that have been happening so far would probably make most people leave and never come back. I mean, I would have left after the first RV sighting. Right. But this, it's different for them because they've invested too much into this property and this is their livelihood. Yeah. That's... It would be catastrophic to their situation to leave. Yeah, that makes, I mean, it makes sense. But two more events happen that end up being the final straw for the Gormans. They were putting up with the UFOs, the wolf creatures, the orbs, the poltergeist activity, the windows, everything. <laughs> All of this stuff is happening. But in the summer of 1996, so this is almost two years now after they've moved in. Right. Enough time has passed for rumors of the odd events that are happening to them to spread around the community. And then even beyond that, stories were trickling out of state. The family greatly valued their privacy and they were not happy when a truck came driving up their ranch unannounced and inside this truck was a six foot two burly man with long blonde hair. He had heard of the paranormal activity on the ranch and he pleaded with Tom to allow him to meditate on the property. <laughs> okay. This was the first of any kind of this type of visitor they've ever gotten and they didn't even know how to react. So they're like, uh, okay, I guess. What? So Tom lets him, but he doesn't leave him alone. He just, accompanies him until he finds an area that is to his liking. 
Um, wow. Okay, these people are very accommodating because I would have been like, get out of right. my yard. <laughs> so Tom and his son Tad come with, and this man finds an area in a clearing that is perfect for him, and he starts meditating. And Tom and Tad watch with amusement as this weird man is sitting on the ground with his eyes closed and his hands out in like a prayer-like motion. Then they heard a chime that sounded like a cowbell, but they never put any cowbells on any of their cattle. Okay. It was coming out of the woods, and it would chime again and again. And with every chime, it sounded like it was coming closer. The blonde man seemed to either not have noticed or he didn't care because maybe he assumed it was their cattle. Yeah. Then, without warning, something shot out of the tree towards the man. It was fast and it was camouflaged. It had a haze around it, almost like heat distortion that you see on the highway pavement in the distance. Mm -hmm. That was completely surrounding this thing. And it almost looked pixelated, they said. It comes right up to the man that's meditating and stops inches from his face and lets out a roar that's halfway between a lion and a bear. Wait, wait, wait. I can't. I'm having trouble picturing this. It's a thing that shoots out of the tree. Like, are we to assume it's an animal of some kind? No idea. It's just pixels? It's it's like hazy, misty pixels. Okay. And it's just threatening this guy. And he immediately gets out of his trance and jumps back and, like, falls on his ass. And he is in hysterics. And then the thing, the creature, the monster, whatever it is, goes back into the forest. Okay, so this is the first time we've had an, an a third party yes. see this. Yes. Now, just to rewind a little bit, and I don't know if you have the answer to this, but mm-hmm. if this is such a private family, how are these stories getting out among the community? Other than like the weird wolf thing when they went to go ask around. Right. I imagine it was at some point when members of the family are in town, maybe they'll ask something like, hey, have you seen like an RV around the area? There was an RV parked on our property. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're asking just general questions like that, but then... What's actually happening maybe slips out or something. I don't know. Sure. Okay. So this man freaked out, begs Tom and Tad to bring him back to his vehicle. And they have to like carry him back. This giant six foot two burly dude. Dude, you play stupid games. You win stupid prizes. (laughs) Like why are you driving to a stranger's house anyway? So then he leaves. He's had enough. And then on an evening shortly later, I think this is just a few days later, Tom was with his three dogs on the ranch. And on the far end of the pasture, he sees that the blue orb has returned. Tom immediately feels that same sense of dread he felt before. Without thinking, he lets the dogs loose because they were barking at this orb. Sure. They immediately run at this orb and they would jump at it trying to bite it. The orb would fly lower like it was toying with them and then would fly out of reach at the last second. And then it was obvious that the orb was leading the dogs towards the forest and it was too late before Tom realized what was actually happening. And then the orb had entered the forest and Tom heard the sounds of the dogs yelping in pain and then silence. And it was this like like the cow situation? Like there were tracks and then gone? Well, no. Uh, he didn't mention anything about tracks because what actually happens next is he felt sick again after 
sure, encountering the orb. So he could, and he was by himself too. So he did not feel safe going in after the dogs. Now mm-hmm. he decides to wait till morning. All right, smart. He finds that the bodies of the dogs are not in the forest. And when he enters a clearing of trees, he finds three giant large circles of brown dead grass. And at the center of each circle is a greasy pile of blackened ash. <gasps> what? That sounds like something like a weird sci-fi novel. It's it's like it had like a plasma ray or something and just vaporized the dogs. Yeah, that's Crazy. So his dogs being killed and the weird man getting threatened by an invisible force were the final straws for him because they were being actually threatened now. Obviously, the cattle were being killed already, too, but uh, that's he, part of that's the- something that actually happens very often in the area, too. The cattle mutilations. So that was not unheard of either. Sure. I mean, if you think of the chupacabra just as a myth that happens to livestock all over the world. Right. And but especially this area of like the southwest and western portions of America. Sure. And especially around this time in the 90s, too. This was happening regularly in many states. Bizarre. So, but Very bizarre. No one knows why it happens, but it was not unheard of. So he was like, I guess it's just something that comes with the job. Right. Yeah. I mean, you there's. You're, you're going to lose cattle right. in weird way or just but, that's part of the job. Yeah. But, but having his dogs killed and then also a thing almost murder a yes. stranger. Right. That's those were the final straws. So the Tom, blue orb, you know, like invading your personal space wouldn't. It didn't hurt them, though. I, OK. Either way, Tom gathers the rest of the family that same day that he finds the bodies of the dogs or what's left of them. Mm-hmm. They finally decide that this was enough and they decide to put up the property for sale. And by the end of the year, they're out of there. Skinwalker Ranch was purchased by wealthy businessman and paranormal enthusiast Robert Bigelow. And this is when the National Institute for Discovery Science begins their investigation. And that's where we're going to pick up next week. Okay, wait. One last question. Mm-hmm. I am assuming that it was not called Skinwalker Ranch when they purchased the property. No. It was called Skinwalker Ranch after the Gormans moved there and stories got out. And then after this investigation oh. takes place. Okay, so it was called Skinwalker Ranch while they were living on the property. Uh, I think, I don't know if it was actually called Skinwalker Ranch, but stories of their encounters with the wolves, they got out. And what, that's what led Robert Bigelow to want to purchase the property. Okay. The thing is, it's an odd name because skinwalkers seem like a very minor part of the story. Yes. I do want to say, too, there was so much else I wanted to cover in this episode, but there was just too much and our length of show we do wouldn't allow it. But so there's like stuff about like Freemasons involved, too. What? You skipped over the Freemasons shit? It wasn't relevant to the Gormans. That's why I left it out. But and it, it, okay you, do you know do you know who the buffalo i think it's called, they're called the buffalo soldiers they I were like them yes yeah they were like all black infantrymen from uh the 1800s and they took part in the civil war and a lot of the wars against various native american tribes mm-hmm. and most of them were actually freemasons And they actually settled in this area in the 1800s when they were going to war with the Utes. I I believe it was the Utes. Um, 
and their graves were actually very close to the property before buildings were built on top of them. So it's like the opposite of Poltergeist, the movie, where you built something on an Indian burial ground. It was actually the Indians that built on the graves of black men. Well, uh, <laughs> but there's... regardless, it was kind of irrelevant to the story, but I just thought it was very interesting. There's a lot going on. I mean, even just like pieces from episodes of completely unrelated topics that we've done. I mean, you got ghosts, you got poltergeists, you got like cryptids, but then you have aliens and clear UFOs. And if, why not throw a conspiracy theory in there with some Freemasons? I'm invested. I mean, yeah. And I, the thing is, there's not a whole lot to that point about the, uh, the no. Freemasonry, except that um, not on the ranch itself, but on a lot of the cliffs in the area, there would be Masonic symbols just painted onto random cliffs. Fucking weird. Like, yeah, very weird stuff. But next week, we're going to pick up and finish the story, hopefully. So, okay, but here's the thing. Aren't the Masons kind of like somehow tied to the men in black, which are tied to alien activity? I have no knowledge of them being tied. Really? Freemasons and men in black? No. Well, Freemasons is like a government conspiracy type hiding things and then the men in black coming to cover things up. I guess like you, you could I put guess it that way. I mean, they have, related. yeah, peripherally related, but I don't think directly linked. No, no. But, ugh, okay, so I'm just going to just go ahead and say it. Turns out ghosts are aliens. I'm just going to call it all aliens. <laughs> well, next week we're going to be talking about George Knapp and Colm Kelleher's experience along with the rest of the NIDS team, which is the National Institute for Discovery Science. And... I hope you liked it, everyone. The story's nuts, and we're not even done yet. Well, just as a palate cleanser, cleanser, yeah, yeah, I've got uh, this week's bizarre news. Cool. Spooky news. It's not nearly as cool as Skinwalker Ranch, but it's very real. So last year, 2020, worst year on Earth. Mm. I mean, debatably. The plague, maybe. Right. Like the actual plague. We had like, we had murder hornets. We had pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, wasn't there some other weird, like deadly animal that was discovered? The, the radioactive boars? Yes, there were the radioactive boars. We got everything. Well, this year, it's a little more mundane, but a little, a little more horrifying. Because there have been chipmunks with the plague located in Southern California. When you say the plague, do you mean the Black Plague? The Black Plague. Certain sections of the south shores of California's Lake Tahoe have been closed because chipmunks have tested positive for the infectious disease. Jeez. The bacterium that causes the plague is naturally occurring in parts of California. The plague, if, if y'all don't remember caused the Black Death in Europe in the 1300s that killed tens of millions of people, and it's an incredibly infectious bacterial illness. Lots of people attribute rats to having spread it. In the, the well, the fleas on the rats. Right, yes. Well, the, it's the bacteria. Right. Is what that, that was on the fleas. It. Yeah. Also, apparently, hamsters and gerbils, too. Yeah, dude. Rodents should... They're not pets. They're plague-riddled disease carriers. And, and you said tens of millions of deaths, too, but there's actually recent historians that have estimated that that number 
is way lower than the actual total death count from the plague. And they estimate it to be like at least three times as much as whatever number it was, like 50 million or something. I mean, it killed at least a third of Europe. Yeah, they're actually thinking it was closer to half. Yikes. Well, that's not the only, I mean, I just, that's spooky enough. But that's not the only weird animal related, um, like, plague going on in the United States right now. Because in Virginia, people have been reporting like mysterious bug bites that aren't mosquitoes and they have no idea what's been biting them they're like huge blistering bug bites and they like get super swollen doctors don't know what it is it's unlike anything they've ever seen before health departments can't figure out what it is they're guessing it's some sort of like mite but i'm guessing vampires i think it might be mites so, yeah, sorry, today's spooky news isn't that spooky, but, like, you know, the the real world is spooky. There's enough going on, and honestly, I feel like we are in the end times with all of this stuff Yeah, happening. we got boils, we got the Black Plague, we got a, a worldwide pandemic. Ragnarok is happening, and it is upon us. So just be spooked to be alive. Yeah, let's just think about skinwalkers and aliens and stuff, and we'll do that again next week. And if you have... A story to send us, whether it's a personal experience or if it's something you find that you want us to talk about, send it our way. You can send it to Twitter, Facebook, our, or Instagram. All are at NerdSlothHQ. Or you can email us at podcast at NerdSloth.com. If you put a little spooky in the subject line, we will definitely read it and get back to you. And uh, we'll catch you next week. Yep. Hope your teeth. Stay strong and healthy and in your mouth, both in real life and in the dream world. (laughs) (laughs) All right. See you next week. Bye, y'all. Love you. Bye. Presented by NerdSloth. A place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com.